Absolutely. I think that if you don't know where you're going to want to end up, then you really have no idea what you're supposed to be doing currently. Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Florist Collective. Everybody. We have a special guest here today. And one of my really good friends is Rachel Heath of True Forla. And she is coming on today to talk about her subscription box. So our topic today is going to be about how do you put together a subscription box? What's the behind the scenes and all the mechanics that goes into putting this together? And we're going to learn a little bit more about Rachel. Her floral company, which she does with fresh flowers, and she's been doing it for more than seven years in the wedding and event industry. And her subscription box is called Flora a fun box, which I absolutely love the name. Welcome, Rachel. Welcome, Hi. Rachel. I'm so happy to be here. Same here. We love flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so nice to finally meet you. Yes, likewise, Jesse. I've heard <laughs> so much about you. <laughs> the same thing. Quinn talks about you and talks about your box. And she was like, you have to meet this girl because she reminds me of you. Yes. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> kind of like one of those things where it's like oh I know somebody who looks exactly like you and you're like mm, do I want to meet that person I don't know no. but I'm happy to say that <laughs> that you're so easy to talk oh, to oh likewise Rachel, so. I know Quinn must have a type of friend that she likes because she's been saying the same thing for a while about you know oh you remind me so much of Jesse and <laughs> I've, I've only heard really good things about you so I guess that's a good thing oh that's I kind, surround Quinn. myself with ambitious wonderful <laughs> female leaders <laughs> well, likewise, I think that maybe we're all of one mind then. Yes, definitely. I think this is going to be a really fun podcast because it's going to be educational on some of the process that we're going to be talking about. And I think it's going to be so cool. So I know you've been in the floral industry for more than seven years. And what made you decide to finally do a subscription box? Well, the subscription box was a really big shift for me. So I had been working, as you said, in weddings and events for a long time. And fresh florals have been my jam for a very long time. But I live out of state from all of my family, a lot of people that I've had work relationships with and good old friends. I re I transplanted into Washington state in 2013. And I just had so many relationships with people far away that I felt so disappointed I couldn't share my floral stuff with them more. Unlike paper flowers, I can't really mail my flowers to people. So it's a little bit of a different industry than paper flowers in that regard. They're perishable. So I felt really bad I couldn't figure out a way to share my flowers with people from so far away. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just teach them how to do it. But there are a lot of online course education stuff going on right now. It's a really saturated industry in some regards. And especially in the fresh floral world, there's a lot of online material available for anyone who wants to learn how to become a more professional floral designer. But I mm -hmm. wanted to teach people who didn't want to be a professional floral designer. I wanted to teach people who had a fantastic garden and they just wanted to figure out how to use the flowers in their garden a little better and bring them in. I love that. Yeah. Well, I just mm -hmm. feel like flowers really brighten our life in so many ways. And we just 
kind of get complacent with them. We're so used to them that we don't always think, oh, you know, when we bring them inside and you actually sit down and really look at them, how much fulfillment and like almost natural Zen quality they can just bring into a room. And I wanted to make sure that I was sharing in that joy with people who also shared in that joy, but gave them more ways and opportunities to really enjoy flowers. So I started the Flora Fun Box with the idea of, oh, I'll teach them how to make arrangements, but I'm also going to send them all the stuff to do it. As a florist, I just have so many professional tools and equipment and wires and tapes that make my job so much easier. And teaching someone how to do it without those things is really tricky. So started in that regard, and then it evolved into what it is now, which is really it's a floral arranging kit that's sent out seasonally. We focus on different florals each season. So in June, we're focusing on roses. It's in our first full year. So we're going in through the very beginning. Spring was all about tulips. Summer's going to be all about roses. And we'll do a whole new set of fresh florals to focus on next year. We've got fall in our winter box as well. We do a holiday bonus box that's not part of the annual subscription where we do more than just florals. Every box is actually more than just one floral kit. We have all sorts of different little tidbits and knickknacks that we show you how to enjoy florals in different ways. Like we're doing floral ice for hosting parties in June where we teach you how to actually make beautiful ice to go into those cocktails and mocktails that you're serving your friends. Hopefully, it's assuming this virus is gone. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) So back up a little bit. So what can they expect in your summer box? Yeah, absolutely. So we send the actual floral kit, which for summer is a beautiful, it's a beautiful bowl that we have sourced that a lot of people can't just find in a standard shelf. These aren't your sort of vases that you just get from the florist that go under your sink and then never see the light of day again for 12 years. These are pieces that we've very intentionally curated to be beautiful, even without florals. So even after your roses are dead, and you've thrown them away, you can wash out that bowl and put it on a shelf and it will look fantastic and really still add to the room outside of being just a vessel for this floral yeah. project. So I saw your vases that you put in your spring box and they're so beautiful. beautiful. It has this very Grecian look that I would just like, yeah. I would even put my pins or just my knickknacks in because it's so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, there's so many beautiful. And that's one of the things being in my industry, I had learned over time, I focus mostly on weddings and events, which means that I get to curate my own inventory with really lovely pieces that we use on wedding tables over and over again. But every now and then I would get a one off arrangement order and I would take these arrangements to people and they would just go goo goo gaga over the vessels I had chosen to put the flowers in. They weren't used to seeing something so elegant, so modern, so trendy. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share those beautiful pieces with people as well. So everything we send is something that's going to be beautiful in your home with or without the flowers. And then we send you all the tools to put that toolkit together. And every box, we try and focus on a new arranging technique so that you're learning how to arrange it differently. We had really cute little napkin rings that were these little bunny ear ones, just perfect for spring, for your spring hosting table. I sent a set of those. And then we sent out seed packets from a sustainable local farm here in Washington. Just really cute little poppy seed. In the summer box, we're doing dahlia tubers from a different farm that's here in Washington. A really small single mom farm where, you know, you get to support the people who... 
Yeah. I love that you're supporting the locals. That's so important right now. It's so important to me. I mean, I just have a a long history in supporting local from the beginning of all of my career endeavors. It's just really important to me. And so we just purposely pick our farms very intentionally. And this one for summer, we're doing our dahlia tubers and we'll be doing a video demonstration on how to properly plant dahlia tubers, how to care for them through the year, what you do at the end of the year, as well as your floral kit. That's so cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. And then, I mean, I could keep going about all the other things. We're doing like a mocktail cocktail thing where you can, you get this cute little tumbler and we're sending you a a mocktail and a cocktail recipe from a local mixologist who makes shrubs, makes syrups on your own, and then also come up with your own recipes. So we'll be featuring them in the box as well. And you can use that with the floral ice tutorial that we've put together for you as well. It's just, it's all things floral. It's like, let's just make life a little more lovely, a little more beautiful romance it a little bit. I love are that. These tutorials. So, yeah. Are they video tutorials? Yeah. So the box comes to you with two parts. You've got the actual physical box and then you mm-hmm. also have the online video library where you have access to tutorials on how to actually put your floral arrangement together. And plus all the other videos that I feel like you might need how to actually pick your flowers out at the grocery store if you're buying mm-hmm. them from the grocery store. As most of my people are. Not all of them have a garden to draw from mm-hmm. and certainly none of them have access to the wholesalers that I use. Mm-hmm. So I teach you how to identify good flowers versus, you know, rotted flowers, what you actually should be looking for. I show you how to care for them after they've been in the vase, what to do with them afterward. We talk a lot about gardening. It's, I love it's that all you're tar- Yeah, I love that you're targeting a market of the every, literally the everyday person who just loves flowers and is maybe a hobby gardener. Absolutely. (laughs) I've got a garden, but I don't really know exactly what to do. I love beautiful flowers. I try to get flowers that I see that are really trendy, but they're really difficult to to obtain because, you know, like you said, most normal people don't have access to wholesalers or specialty flower growers. But it's kind of like I have them and I'm like, what do I do? And I and that's perfect. Like having a box like that where I'm not investing too much time, but every like quarter I'm investing enough time that it makes me happy. You know, it's like, oh my God, I did something with, I grew it and I put something together with these beautiful vases and using tools that I know professional florists use as well. Because I see you have a starter kit too, which I was looking at the list and I'm like, wow, it's, it's perfect. Like I could myself go on Amazon and buy these things, but I wouldn't know where to start. Right. You know? Exactly. Which and brand is a good one? There's a lot of crummy brands out there. Yeah. And so and we I wouldn't know, have no idea. Exactly. And so I thought I, I want, I thought back to how I was at the beginning. And I imagine a lot of people listening will relate to this. At one point you move from being just someone who's interested in being a hobbyist into wanting to make it your full-time profession. And that can be a really scary and difficult transition. And when I was making that transition. I had been working in a floral shop for a couple years and I knew how my floral boss was accessing everything. But as an independent hobbyist, I had no access to these things. Um, I had no access to the good tools. I had no idea where they got all that amazing tape that I used over and over again. And so this is me just saying, here's a perfect little package of everything that you'll need to get started and enjoy. Wait, like come feel like a professional with us and learn to Let's talk about the behind the scenes for us because our listeners are mainly beginner business people and I want them to understand all these description boxes are really fun because I have one myself, but there's a lot of mechanics in getting things ready because I, I knew it took you a long time to do all the prep work before you even launch everything. It was a good six 
nine months before you actually launched? I was very careful about the launch. For me, I wanted to launch it really hard and fast at the beginning, but I realized that what I thought I was launching needed to evolve first. What I originally was going to launch was just a DIY kit for people who wanted to DIY their own wedding flowers. So it would be essentially what my starter kit is now, plus the quantities of things needed to do all of their centerpieces and their bouquets for their own wedding. And I still plan to release those eventually, but I realized that my market wasn't just DIYing weddings. And one of the things that as a wedding florist can be one of the most difficult things is that we don't generally have repeat customers. Every customer is a brand new client and you don't really work to retain them because they don't need to get married again. And that was the same situation with this first idea of my boxes. It wasn't for a repeat customer. It was for kind of a one-off. And so I realized that I love the idea of presenting that to people and I still will. But what I needed to evolve into was a more generalized audience, the people that weren't just getting married, like my friends and family, like I said. And even though I built it with them in mind, I also had myself in mind, somebody who, you know, a long time ago wanted to be in the floral world, but was working in a different industry. I remember taking a Groupon. I bought a Groupon class to a random workshop at a flower shop when I was working in a different a totally different industry, a corporate industry. And it was like this little secret passion of mine. It's like, I'm going to go learn about flowers. And that's really who this is more for. So you have to sometimes look at what your audience is and decide whether or not that your audience is, you know, big enough to even be profitable, especially for the amount of work it's going to take you. I have two babies right now. I've got twin babies that are a little over a year old. And I was developing this while they were infants. And then and I had, had a, another toddler too. <laughs> <laughs> I had a four-year-old at the time. Yeah. So my four-year-old and then my, my babies. And it was probably because I had taken so much time off of weddings and events that I even had the time to think up this idea. But I also knew that my time was valuable. And I... I didn't want to just launch whatever if it wasn't going to pay out. So sometimes you have to kind of revise and that's what happened here. And that's when it turned into a subscription box and and you have to decide how often, you know, for me, it was a seasonal box, not a monthly box frankly, because I don't have the time to put together a monthly box for people. And also my audience is adults who don't always have time to play with flowers. So if I'm going to ask them to take a big chunk of time to play with flowers every month, I'm asking more of them than they might be able to afford and offer the boxes as opposed to doing it seasonally. So that was where I was coming from. And it it just had a lot of fine tuning for me that I wanted to really get right before I officially launched it. When did you officially launch your box? Well, we officially had our soft launch in December when we were taking pre-orders for the holiday season. We find that we've got a lot of people who are interested in it as a gift for others. People are buying subscription boxes as gifts for their mothers, their friends, their daughters, their granddaughters. It's wonderful. So we did a soft launch so we could capture some of those holiday sales. But then we did a really hard launch in February when we officially were pushing for our spring box, which released on March 1st. So our first box officially mailed out on March 1st, our, and that was our spring box. On June 1st is when we officially ship our first round of pre-ordered boxes and subscriber boxes. So they get those the first week of June, and you can get that pre-sale discount through the end of that first week. And then the boxes available 
available through the end of August at its standard price. So and it's, it's kind of crazy how quickly everything has been building up and compiling. But at the same time, for the amount of time and work I put into preparing for this, it's rewarding to see that it can it can move this quickly. I love that. Would you offer any particular tip for anybody thinking about turning one of their you know service line into a subscription box? What things should they think about? I think audience is a really big one. How big is your audience? It's something we think about in marketing over and over again. My box is geared toward more than just flower lovers. Technically, it's also geared toward people who love home decor and making their house beautiful because of the pieces I send are very home decor related. It's just taking flowers and putting them into that. And then I also target people who love gardening because we added that gardening feature. And we also target people who love to host a beautiful party and they don't have flowers in the house very often, but they want to do it for the one-off party where they make their home beautiful and they make a beautiful spread for everybody. So I, I really fine-tuned it to make sure that my audience was wide enough, that it was going to be profitable enough without getting too out of niche. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a floral box subscription. At the end of the day, it's still a floral centered box. So even if you love all these other things, it's all going to still come back to flowers. I think that when you're trying to figure out if your subscription box is marketable, you need to make sure that it's not just you who would be interested in it and small handful of people. There are a lot of work, there are a lot of time, and you have to really make sure it's going to pay out to invest in it time-wise. So true. Yeah, that's what I definitely think about when I started my subscription box. My The Posey box has evolved quite a because when I started out, I specifically only wanted to do just physical items that I was sent out to people because at that time it was really hard to get crepe paper and some of the materials. But now with the way that paper flower industry has evolved, Posy Box has gotten bigger and I feel like better because I feel like now that I have a Posy Box team, there's different components that people can take care of. How do you plan to expand your subscription box? Do you plan to add more people to help you moderate your community? How do you plan to evolve your subscription box? So community is a big part of it. We already have a online Facebook community where people can come with their questions and ask them. And I have employees that are looking at that and directing questions to me that I only I can answer. They're not floral experts that work on that for me. So I think for me, looking to expand is more a matter of actually expanding in the number of sales. So I'm looking to expand by bringing on more publicity marketing team because that's how I'm going to increase my sales numbers. And then on top of that, I have to... And then in addition to that, I'm going to need to bring on more people to help curate that community, make sure everyone's taken care of, maybe have somebody working more of a customer service front in that regard. So my team is going to have to grow to meet the needs of an expanding audience. But that was the original goal when I started Flora Funbox was to have a large, broader audience where we could be serving lots of people at a time. I love that. It's so important thinking about the future. And that's one thing I want to segue into is that Rachel and I, we actually meet every single week. We talk about our goals. I mean, at the beginning of this year, when we were able to meet, we actually met. We talked about our year long goal. What was our expectation by the end of 2020? What do we want to get out of it? And not only do we do that, we meet every week. So we talk about, okay, what is our quarterly goal? What is our monthly goal? 
What is our weekly goal? I think that is so important as you're growing and planning your business that you know exactly all the little steps, all the process that you're going through. And I think it's so important having that person or a group of people because not only do I have Rachel, I have Jesse. And so <laughs> it's really interesting because Rachel's not in my industry. She's kind of like, it overlaps a tiny We're bit. Paralleling, but yeah. it's not quite the same, right? Exactly. So there's that familiarity in what you're doing versus what I'm doing. And we can look at each other and say, yeah, that's a great idea and maybe think of it in this way without feeling any sort of competitive pull because exactly our audiences are totally different. Mm-hmm. And I feel confident I can share what my goals are and she can help me reach my goal and vice versa. And I think as you grow your business, find someone like that because it will help you so much and propel you to the next level. Absolutely. I think that if you don't know where you're going to want to end up, then you really have no idea what you're supposed to be doing currently. And when you may are making a big shift into starting something like this, you really are your own boss and you are really only accountable to yourself. And it can be really scary sometimes. It can be hard some days when it's getting hard and exhausting and you've been working really hard to want to get out of bed and actually do the work that you know you have to do. So if you have an accountability partner to be looking at your goals with you and then asking you actively every single week, did you get this done? Did you get that done? And it's nice to break it down into those segments like Quinn was saying here. When we first met, like you said, we first talked about our annual goals. I technically have a five-year plan. Like I don't have every single year marked out exactly what I'm going to do during that plan, but I know where I want to end up. And I have to keep my eye on that endpoint at all times. And then on top of that, I need to be thinking, okay, this by the end of this year, in order to be pointing toward that five-year goal, what do I need to have done by the end of this year to get closer to that? So that becomes my annual goals. And then you break it down even farther. So what do I need to do this quarter in order to get closer to my annual goal? And then you break it down even farther. And that becomes more of a weekly checklist. These are my weekly tasks that I have to do. And it's important to be thinking of your quarterly goal because we all know that we have a million emails to be answering. And yes, they are important, but are we doing other things as well that should be taking some priority sometimes to make sure we're getting closer to those quarterly, monthly, or whatever goal that you have on your mind. Yeah. Making things into more bite-sized pieces that doesn't seem overwhelming is so key right now. I feel like when you think about the big picture, it can be so overwhelming. It's like, how do I even accomplish that? And then we do small little checklists and task lists that breaks it down into like, okay, For this particular week, I just need to get X, Y, Z done versus thinking about your big ultimate goals. Like, oh my gosh, it can be so overwhelming. It can be really scary. I mean, my big five-year goal that I have, I mean, it's something that I've never been close to before. And so the idea of me, little old me, getting to that point, of of course, I'm going to feel intimidated by that. So yes, break it down into like, I can get through this week. I can get through this next week. And then the little challenges that eventually build on top of each other into something bigger, you know, don't, I mean, it's almost like you don't even see them coming to pass. Like, oh yeah, I can definitely call out and reach out to this one person and whatever. That's not so scary, but you do that over and over again and it piles up. So it's really important. And that accountability partner, I mean, with Quinn, I I make a point of writing down exactly what Quinn's telling me for her weekly goals so that I can specifically call her out on it and say, hey, did you get this thing done? And then she can go, oh, you know, I got all the other things done, but this one, and it doesn't get slipped under the rug and forgotten because I'm calling her out on it and making sure that, you know, I know that it didn't feel important, but you said it needed to be done. And I know it's overwhelming. And (laughs) I mean, it's sometimes nice to be like, oh, I sure hope 
that Quinn didn't notice that I, you know, <laughs> didn't get that one done. And I put her in the hot seat myself when I was like, Rachel, you said you were going to get this done. What happened? <laughs> I know there have been a few weeks where I've been hanging my head a little low and going, you know, I, I didn't get it done this week than I thought I would, but I, you know, <laughs> you just, that's why you do it. So you're being called out on it and it's motivating you to make sure it doesn't get forgotten. Because exactly. otherwise you're just going to be stunted and you won't be growing. And if mm-hmm. you're not going to be growing, then where are you going? So, yeah. But I think the really wonderful thing is Rachel doesn't make me feel guilty about it. Yeah, she's giving me like this, you know, you didn't do it. But she doesn't say, like, doing the tis, 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 like, you didn't yeah, do reprimand it. you. Yeah, exactly. If you say, mother. If I reprimand you, I've got it coming for myself when I forget, right? Like, yeah. Because you don't want to be in that situation where you feel resentful, like, oh, my God, I have a meeting with Rachel. I didn't get this done. But oh, you feel, no. like, scared about sure. meeting her because you feel like you didn't get it, you know, <laughs> together. Looking forward to these meetings, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think, think half it, of it is the rah, rah, rah. I mean, Quinn's is. very good at it. It's having somebody on the side saying to you, you can do this. I believe you. I'm with yep. you all the way. We can do this together kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. The accountability thing really is about, yeah, we're, it's not just you. You're not the only one on the, this path. I'm with you as well. Mm-hmm. Jesse, I love that so much because when you're seeing somebody else take all those little baby steps at a time, you're seeing how things actually work so that when you see them hit those bigger markers and you're so genuinely excited for them, you know mm-hmm. how they did it and you yeah. don't feel so intimidated because quite often we look at our mentors or our heroes or the people that we're looking out and comparing ourselves to and we think, well, I can't do that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even know how they're whatever. But when I'm seeing it actually happen in real time, I can go, oh, she's doing it, I can do it too. And that is so key. Yeah. Yeah. And it is important to have a friend, you know, it needs to be positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to shine the light on Jesse. Like I'm feeling very overwhelmed right now. And I told Jesse, I cannot (laughs) do this. I need your help on this. And I was like, okay, I need to, I can do three things. Tell me three things I need to do today and I will make it happen (laughs) because I feel like that accountability is so helpful because sometimes I feel like I have so much to do and I just like, I know I can do at least three things. Give me three of your top things that you want me to do and I'll make it happen. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. When you're accountable to me, <laughs> yes. that's fair. I can tell you exactly what I need from you without you feeling stressed about all the other stuff that you think you think I need you to do, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's part of like being. What can I say? It's like having somebody who kind of motivates you in the right direction without mm-hmm. stressing you out, because that's the whole point. You don't want them to stress you out even exactly. more. Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. It's yeah. You need somebody to be talking to because when you're your own boss like you know like I was saying it's hard to make sure that you get done what needs to be done and sure. I have some employees that you know I know are waiting on stuff for me sometimes and that sometimes motivates me but at the mm-hmm. end of the day there's some sort of dynamic in that relationship where if they can't get done what they need to because they're waiting on me I, get, I can sometimes shrug it off and be like yeah it didn't happen sorry guys let's move on as opposed to being mm-hmm. like oh no I this actually really need you know it's exactly it's a different yeah. power dynamic when it's my own employees that are mm-hmm. needing that stuff, you know, needing me to be accountable and as opposed to a friend or another professional in the industry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, sure. Rachel, how did you decide how to price the box? I mean, because oh, there's man. nothing else like that, like this out there. So how did, I mean, how do you decide that? 
It must have been difficult. It is a very difficult decision. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to decide. And I think part of it is how specialized is your box? If I was selling this to more of a professional industry, if I was doing a subscription box for floral designers in training, and it's going to be something that they are planning to make profitable themselves in the future, that's a more specialized education. And I think that that definitely deserves a little higher price point, but you're also going to have a smaller audience because of that. And for that reason, you're your price point needs to be bigger to be more profitable. But my goal was to be more widespread. I wanted to have a large, vast audience. So I needed to have a competitive price that more people could swallow as a hobby rather than a stepping stone into their own new career. So when you're thinking of pricing it out, make sure you're thinking, is this for a professional industry or is this for a hobbyist industry? And make sure that you're picking a price point that's not so so hard for others to swallow. So I actually keep mine at a really minimal price point and my profit margins are way smaller than anything I'm used to working in with the wedding and floral industry. Even just like a standard floral arrangement, my profit margins have to be a certain higher amount because I'm not doing so many of them. But when I'm doing these boxes, if I have a much bigger audience, my profit margins can be a little lower Mm -hmm. and I just have a larger pool audience to draw from. When you were brainstorming about the price, did you consider, okay, I'm going to choose the price first and then work backwards and decide, okay, what can I fit into these boxes that would fit within that, that price? Or were you more aware about, okay, I want to make sure that I have certain types of items of certain quality in this box and then kind of move from there and be like, okay, this is the pricing. Then my pricing has to be X amount. Like how yeah, did you that's a great question. That? Everything I've ever marked up, marked in floral, everything, every arrangement I've ever done, I've always started with the cost of the actual wholesale product that I have to buy and built up from. But I also did some market research and figured out what the price point should be for my box in order for it to be the most appealing as a purchase price. And so I actually did have to kind of do a mix of both. And honestly, I don't even know if it's the right answer at this point, but I picked my price point and then then I had a list of things I wanted to go in my box. And then I had to start nixing different things off those lists. Okay, if this is the price point, I can't just give them all of the things at mm-hmm. once. And so I still can maintain these really beautiful designer items, is which you know I'm stocking in the boxes so that people are getting really high-end products at this lower price point, but just don't get, you know, all the kind things. of items. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I had it my way, I'd be throwing so much stuff at them mm-hmm. that I just love, like, ooh. I just have to pick like my top few things per box that I'm like, yes, this is exactly what will theme with the box. It's in season. And I just have to be a little choosier about what I put into it so that I c- I'm still watching those profit margins so carefully every time mm-hmm. I pick out what's in my box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sure, so important yeah. because if you don't watch your profit margin, you're literally giving out free products. I know. I'm, I because, can only yeah. imagine every yeah. every season you're like, oh my God, I want to put this in and it's yeah. going to cut to my profit margin by a dollar. But every time you do that, no. a dollar adds up dollar and then adds, adds up. up. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I would say if any, if any like rig, big red flags to look for. So we, we offer free shipping, which means that we swallow the cost of the mm-hmm. shipping. And that was something that was important to us to be able to offer to people. But... 
sometimes I'm shipping across the country and sometimes I'm shipping 40 minutes away. And so the price on that comes in a little differently. And my biggest mistake from the beginning was not properly calculated. I was just telling Quinn about this at our goal session just a few days ago. My, you know, it ate into my profit margins every time I miscalculated on that shipping and it mm-hmm. hurts. It really does. So you have to be choosy. Yeah, you just have to. So I, I kind of did like a weird mix of I picked my I picked my starting price point and then more than anything, I picked what my profit margin had to be. And then I took all the other pieces on my list that I wanted to put into the box and saw what actually, you know, puzzled in together to mm-hmm. meet both of those things. It's are tricky. All your, yeah. Are all your boxes the same price? They are. They're a fixed price. So every month it's the same price. And and there's a discount offered to people who p- purchase an entire year at once, which is always an option. So, you know, you have to keep all of those things in mind when you're pricing it out. What kind of discounts are being offered? Like our pre-sale price. Our pre-sale price is a cheaper price point than if you've purchased the box after it's launched. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's, I mean, I have a lot of spreadsheets. Let's just say that. (laughs) It's so important as you're breaking things down and comparing prices and constantly one of the things that I do for the post box is I'm always researching who has the best price for certain items because each wholesaler that's out there, they have different price points. Some people are buying it directly from the manufacturer. Some people are buying it from the people that buy it directly from the manufacturer. So you have to think about how they mark things up and how you're able to source things and price things out so you fit. Because I also do a you know fixed price for my subscription box and how do I cram all the wonderful things that I want to give to my members, but still be able to include the shipping because you know someone has to pay for shipping. It's us that has to pay for shipping. Not only are we buying the products, we're paying for the shipping of the product that comes to us. And it's so painful sometimes to think, oh, I found a great price. But then you look at the shipping, how to ship (laughs) it to you. And it really brings it back up. Like, oh, that was not worth it at all. Yeah, Yeah, it can hurt. So many things to think about. I mean, building a subscription box is hard. Rachel, you had mentioned you would, you some of the boxes you were planning on, or you have shipped out like seeds and tubers. And I know those have restrictions in terms of agricultural policies. So what happens when somebody's from Canada? Let's see me. (laughs) I'm like, Rachel, I want a box. What happens in those cases when you can't ship certain things out? Do you replace them? Do you, what do you do about those? You know, that's a fantastic question, Jesse. Right now we actually aren't shipping internationally. So I'm sorry to say I can't send you a box right now, but we're also so new and fresh. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't overwhelming myself by trying to tackle every hurdle at once. Even though I wanted to make sure there was a lot of things in play before I officially launched. There were some things I knew that I had to start without conquering first. And international shipping for us was one of them. A lot of it has to do with those agricultural reasons. I don't know what we're going to do in the future going forward with that shipping, especially because every country has totally different. I know that Canada has some very strict restrictions about that sort of stuff. So just even because I'm in Seattle and taking a wedding over into Vancouver and working even that close can be a real headache going over the border. So I think that it's important to prioritize what you need to start with and start getting some traction before you can grow into. I definitely aspire to be doing international shipping by the beginning of 2021. So maybe I'll help. I hopefully will have an answer for you by then. (laughs) No, no, but I love how you're thinking about it though. I mean, I think it's a great, um, it's a great way of managing your business, right? Instead of it's like growing kind of like, okay, we're going to do what we can at this time. And then from there, see where we can grow. Right. And I think that's, that's a good lesson. 
Absolutely. And I know, Quinn, you do ship the Posey box internationally, don't you? Well, that has changed quite a bit because um, the shipping cost has got so expensive. For example, someone reached out to me from the UK and they wanted my starter box. My starter box is about five pounds. Shipping to the UK is $78 wholesale, you guys. It is crazy ridiculous. Ouch. Um, So it's something that I can't really afford. Right. It's, it's more than the cost of the box more, at that yeah. point. Well, the box is kind of expensive. It's $1.99, but oh, you do. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's like almost half the price. But why would a customer want to pay, you know, half another half of the box mm-hmm. to just get the shipping on there? Yeah. It's just too, it's yeah. too heavy of a cost to pass on to a customer. And also for my Posey box, I was shipping it out and it was costing me about almost $25. And what I ended up doing is like, it was so painful. It's like for physical box, it is $35 what I charge the customer. Why would they want to pay a $25 on top of it to get it? It's So I ended up, yeah, it was just the marketing part what did not make sense. And it was just a turn off. It's like, I'm not going to even do pass that on. And right now with that, I'm luckily, I had to really think about how much weight that you would actually pack into a box. Because once you pass that one pound threshold, your price almost doubles, triples. If you're sitting it across the United States, it's kind of crazy. And so I really tried very, very hard to keep my products under one pound. When you do that, it's more economical and I can absorb the cost into the pricing of my posy box. But once it goes beyond that, it is almost painful to send it out because you're not making any profit at that point. Right. Yeah. I would love to aspire to be sending to, to Canada and Mexico first, you know, going over waters, I think where it's going to get even. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that (laughs) the international question is as relevant to me as yeah, but maybe next time when we bring you back, it'll be more relevant. Yeah, right. We'll have a whole episode on just international shipping. I know, right? Uh, that would be a good one because then we could talk about packing <laughs> and then also the oh, different yeah. codes that you have to put onto your packaging so they get passed through. What do you call those? Customs. Customs. Yes. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. I mean, duties. Yeah, I mean, duty tax. And I, I yep. mean, our own experience with Cart Finney. Yes. Italian oh, yeah. paper. Yep. If one, I mean, we're buying, I guess, not even wholesale. It was, uh, I mean, sponsored. Yes. <laughs> It was sponsored and I had to pay $200 in more than $200 in duties yeah. because it's from Italy oh originally. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, they were huge boxes, but it, me normally when I purchase from Cart Finney, my duties are like $30 to $40, yeah. which yeah. is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for paper that is, you know, it's is, paper. Well, not $10 a roll for me, actually. Yeah. yeah because of the American and Canadian exchange rate. But I mean, slap that on, I yep. divide it, I divide it, it's fine. But it's really. It, it gets really expensive. Mm-hmm. So, but that's unfortunately something that business owners can't have no control over, yeah. right? I do think that Rachel, like your approach of kind of uh, tackling what you can at the at this point, at least doing what you can mm-hmm. or, you know, where you can control your pricing and then moving forward and seeing, okay, what other things can I tackle later on? I think that's a good stepping stone because or else like one, either you're going to lose money the first year if you decide I'm just going to ship everywhere or two, you're just not going to grow your business at all. Like it's not going to go anywhere because you're like, 
I can't start because I don't have I don't have the answers to these questions. Well, you don't have to have answers to every question, right? Mm-hmm. Just work with what you do have. And obviously businesses are also going to face things that they didn't expect. And maybe there are mistakes made. But I think that's the whole part of doing business is that you're not going to win everything that you put out there, right? It's like, what do you Absolutely. do with those wins? How do you reinvest so that you continue to win? Right. And kind of even out those losses. So I can see like doing subscription. I mean, I personally would be terrified of doing subscription, but just even throwing yourself out there and trying it out. I think that's amazing. Yes. You have to kind of find, you have to find what works for you. Part of the reason I wanted to do subscription was because then I only ship on certain dates, you know, at a time. I mean, I don't have the ability right now with my family as it is to just be going out and, oh, I've got five orders today. and I I have to control that element of it. So, but you're totally right as you just have to sometimes start in order to start somewhere. If I had everything as perfect as I'd like it to be, sometimes I would never start ever. And so I I had to, you just got to pick and choose. What do you want to make sure works now? And what do you want to put on your aspiration list? And just make sure you don't forget about your aspiration list. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It was so much fun talking to you. Oh yeah. my gosh. So much. You guys. <laughs> you are so charming. I love chatting with you. I could just do this all day. <laughs> we have so many topics to talk about. That's why I love talking to Rachel. So many questions we want to ask. I know. I, I mean, I'm happy to just sit down and chat with you two any day on or off Yay. the podcast. Jesse, you can join our weekly gold meeting anytime you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're going to hold you to it. I know. You probably would. <laughs>